what a good opportunity to have some fellowship together with the whole church. My, uh, to see all your faces is such an encouragement, such a refreshing uh, refreshment to me. Uh, and um, tomorrow uh, I return back to the United States for probably a month. And uh, hopefully uh, at the end of January or sometime in February, Joyce and I will return to Germany uh, to be with you all again. And, uh, you know, as we enter into this new year, we are praying and expecting that uh, the Lord will bless us like never before with a new situation, a new kind of church life being fully renewed. Um, these days, these verses have been just going through me, and I uh, would like to begin uh, the fellowship today with 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'd like to begin with verse 1. In 2 Corinthians 4, 1, it says, Therefore, having this ministry, as we have been shown mercy, we do not lose heart. You know, as you get into 2 Corinthians, what you have here is the ministry of the new covenant. First, you have the ministry in chapter one, and then in the next chapters, you have the ministers. And what's happening in 2 Corinthians is Paul is testifying of what the Lord brought them through to produce him as a new covenant minister. And, you know, I'd like to apply that to us today in this way. Brothers and sisters, I think we have to realize that we are approaching the end of the church age. We're coming to the end. We've been talking about this for many, many years, about being age turners, about changing the age, about uh, the Lord needing a dispensational instrument, these kinds of things. And then all of a sudden this year, like a shock to us all, we were thrown into a chaotic and unprecedented kind of turmoil. We never expected this, but this came. And, you know, we thought, oh, you know, maybe this will blow over in a week, a month. You know, in America, they said, let's shut down everything for two weeks to flatten the curve, and then they extended it for a month. And then it seems that this has been dragging on even for the whole year. And now we are at the end of the year, back in a kind of lockdown situation. And uh, we don't know when this will end. And so we have to realize that while we're in this kind of a situation, the Lord is on the throne. And that nothing that happens to us, no matter where it comes from, or whatever is the source, it's, it's the Lord. The Lord is allowing, he's arranging, he's sovereignly in control of everything. And there's a physical way to look at this, and there's a spiritual way to understand this. There's a physical realm, and there's a spiritual realm. There's a human history, and there's a divine history. And in the Lord's recovery and in the church life, we're not just living in the human history. We also are living in the divine history. 
So let me try my best to try to put this last year into some kind of perspective. And uh, I would like to do it in this way. Number one, through the ministry, through the seven feasts, through the ministry of the age, that we have been so blessed to become, uh, to have a share in and to be a part of, the ministry has been telling us that the church is advancing to another level, to the level not only of the body of Christ, but of the one new man, that the Lord wants to work out the practical existence of the one new man. And we saw through the ministry, through the morning revival, we saw that in the one new man, there's no culture. There's no Greek. There's no Jew. There cannot be. Even there cannot be. Uh, there cannot be American. There cannot be German. There cannot be Persian. None of us fit. None of us can get in. You know, when, when I return to the United States, whenever I fly to Germany or I fly to America, the first thing you do is you have to go through customs. And they want to know, are you bringing something into our country that is not allowed? Are you sneaking something in that we don't allow? They want to know, did you bring fruit or vegetables? Have you been with animals? Are you bringing in guns? Are you bringing in explosives? They want to know because the customs stops all negative things from entering into the country. Well, in the church life, we have something that's called the cross. And the cross is like customs. And when you come to the church, you have to give up your culture. You have to give up your disposition. You have to give up the way you were raised and give up your background. You come into a new realm. This is the realm of the body of Christ. This is the realm of the one new man. Now, the one new man is something that the Lord needs to work out over the whole earth. And we practice it in our local churches. Local church by local church, locality by locality, can enter into the reality of the body and the practical existence of the one new man as we go through the cross by laying aside our opinions, our backgrounds, everything, so that we could be this one new man, where Christ is all and in all. Okay, so we see the vision. We got the vision. We understand that the Lord is desiring this, and even the, you know, the bride of Christ, who, who right now is making herself ready the readiness of the bride is exactly the practical existence of the new man. These two are exactly the same. The practical existence of the new man is the preparation of the bride. And when the Lord can gain a significant representation of the new man on the earth, in Germany, in America, in England, in Africa, the continents in the Far East, in South America, wherever we are, what are we doing? We're going through the cross. 
we're denying ourselves, we're rejecting our background, our disposition, and especially our culture. The Lord could have not only the new man, but also the bride. And then, you know, Ephesians ends with not just the bride, but in chapter five, but the warrior in chapter six. This bride is also a warrior. She's a warrior bride. So you have the new man in chapter four, you have the bride in chapter five, and you have the warrior in chapter six. This is how the church age ends. And this is while we practice the church in our localities, this is happening globally. It is something happening on the whole earth. It's a global move of God. Now, when the Lord had his move to Germany, you could say that was a continental move or a move within a country. And because there was participation from the whole earth, you may say that was a global move. But when the Lord is building up his body and bringing forth the new man, preparing the bride and forming the army, you have to realize this is something global. It's not local. It's global. And so the enemy had to rise up in a global way to frustrate, to stop the local churches. His target was the local churches on the whole earth. And he brought in an attack, an attack through this pandemic to stop our meetings, to stop our groups, to stop the preaching of the gospel, to stop our conferences, to stop our campus labor, even to frustrate our labor with the refugees, the Farsi-speaking saints. <clears throat> and so, and it was quite effective. Everything shut down. And immediately we were thrown into a, a crisis kind of situation. And it began to affect us. It affected our finances. It affected our family life. It affected our church life. <clears throat> and so while the enemy is attacking, the Lord is building. The Lord is doing something on a global scale. And the enemy is attacking on a global scale. We have to see this, saints. And because we see this, we're not ignorant of his devices, his plan, his schemes so that we can show, show strength and take action. And so, you know, the Lord knew, <clears throat> the Lord knew that, okay, Satan, you wanna attack, you wanna discourage the saints, you wanna devastate the church, you wanna dry up the members, just try, just try. And right at the same time, this new technology was became available. We had Skype before, we had WhatsApp, we had video, we had, but all of a sudden there's this thing called Zoom. And Zoom using the internet became our universal global form of our church life. Uh, it became a, a way for us to jump out of the pandemic, out of the limitation, 
and jump into a global realm. Uh, you can't believe it, brothers and sisters, what Zoom has done for the body of Christ, what Zoom has done for the, the practical existence of the new man. Yesterday, I was on Zoom with brothers in the Far East, brothers in America, and brothers in the Middle East. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has provided such a provision. And this provision offers no limitation. There's no boundary. Last weekend, I was in a conference uh, among the churches in the Caribbean, uh, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Antigua, Granada, maybe some from Cuba, all gathering together for some meetings. I found out, saints, I can be in Russia. I, I meet every Monday with a group of brothers that span from Russia to Southern California. We meet, we pray together for an hour, we fellowship, and we meet like this every week. Let me define and describe to my feeling, to my understanding, that the Lord is preparing his bride. And this is how he's doing it. You know, at the beginning of this pandemic, back in March, I had some fellowship with you all, with the church, about, <clears throat> about this, about Zoom. And um, we described it like this, that when Abraham was sent his servant to find a bride for Isaac, his son, he sent his servant back to his land. And while his servant was there, he found a bride named Rebecca. And then the servant is bringing Rebecca to meet her husband, Isaac. Isaac was out meditating. He was praying, no doubt, praying for his bride. And then as the Lord, uh, the servant, who is a type of the Holy Spirit, he's bringing the, the bride, Rebecca, who's a type of the church, to the son, Isaac, who's a type of Christ, he's bringing her on a camel. And a camel is named among the dirty, filthy animals, unclean animals. Here she is. She's riding on a camel, and she's riding to meet her bridegroom. Brothers and sisters, probably now more than ever, we should have the feeling that we are riding on a Zoom camel, but we're riding to meet our bridegroom. How we love him, how we treasure him. So my first point of fellowship, number one, is don't despise Zoom. Consider this as God's provision for us to be blended like never before, to be built up like never before, to participate in conferences and trainings like never before. And we can join conferences in foreign countries, in different languages, in all kinds of parts of the earth. Example was this last summer, 
where we normally have the Poland conference, which started out to be a young people's conference uh, 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago. Uh, nor, at the most, you know, we could have maybe 500 to 800 young people. This past summer, we had over 4,000 that were joining these conference meetings. You see, <clears throat> there was over, I found out there was over 50 that had joined from the Caribbean to the Poland Young People's Conference this past summer, where <clears throat> in the past, we've had one in 25 years. Consider, what an amazing thing. We had some from the Far East. We had some from South America. We had some from North America and all, of course, all over Europe and Africa. Brothers and sisters, we are in a, a new situation, unprecedented situation. At the beginning of this pandemic, <clears throat> right after one of our first Zoom conferences, the uni conference in March, we, we had two to 300 that we were expecting to register. And all of a sudden there was 1200 registered because it was online. And we reported this to the coworkers. The coworkers began to fellowship and say, do you think this is how we're gonna have our church life for the rest of our, you know, the convenience, not having to go to the meetings, not gathering physically. We, we didn't know what the future was gonna hold for us. <clears throat> But look at us today. Look where we are today. We never expected this. We, we've been fighting it. We've been against it. We've been complaining, maybe criticizing. And, but here we are, coming up on a year later, and we're still meeting like this. So number one, do not despise this camel. Brothers and sisters, get on this camel and ride it. Ride it to the bridegroom ride it to the end of this age. Whatever the Lord has, we don't know. When we can meet again physically, we don't know. But we will rejoice. We will rejoice, we will gather, and we will be so happy. <clears throat> the second thing that I would like to mention, <clears throat> let me give my voice a little water. The second thing <clears throat> I would like to mention, and that is the speaking in the Lord's recovery in the seven feasts are a guide, are a word from the throne, from the head of the body to his church. We should never think that these are just random conferences on random topics with random <clears throat> speakers giving spiritual edification to the Lord's church. No, let me tell you, this is the head of the body ministering to his members exactly what they need for them to be prepared as a bride, and formed as an army. Don't take this speaking lightly. You must be desperate to get into every outline, look up every verse, read the ministry portions, and watch the videos. Get into the video training, 
the speaking is the present speaking, the ministry of the age. Our brother Lee is gone, but the ministry is still speaking. I say this with the utmost sobriety and seriousness. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, don't say, oh, this is another message. This is another conference. Oh, another training. No, we have to realize <clears throat> the Lord is speaking to his church. And this speaking is critical. And this speaking is urgent. If you are the head of the body, and you are going to lead your members, your, the members of Christ, the body of Christ, realizing that there's just a finite amount of time, whether it's a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever the time is, you're going to give a word to your body, to your members with enough time for them to prepare themselves for your coming. This would be your kindness, your compassion, your love. This would be your grace to your church. This is how we should consider all of these messages. This is the Lord's grace to us. This is his ministry to us. This is his burden. He's, he's, he's warning us. He's leading us. He's, he's bringing his bride step, step by step right to, the, to, the, to, the, to that day, to that wedding day. Okay? So that's my second point. Number one, understand this is sovereign arranged situation. Number two, don't despise Zoom. Number three, get into the ministry. It is the ministry of the age to end the age. Now, <clears throat> I would like to also say something. Uh, and this is, this is also kind of serious. And the reason for this corporate fellowship today is not just because I'm leaving tomorrow, it's because it's the last Lord's Day of the year. <clears throat> and in the last Lord's Day of the year, I believe it's time for us to look back just for a moment and consider this past year in the presence of the Lord and under the light of his shining. We should consider 2020 before God. Are you happy with your spiritual condition? Are you satisfied with your growth, your pursuing of the Lord, your seeking him? As you consider this past year, has it been a year of desolation or a great year of advance? Then let's, that's personally, let's consider the church, your group, your small group. Has there been the preaching of the gospel? Has there been the addition, the Lord adding to the church? What is the condition of our small group, our vital group? Are we vital? Are we intimate, open? Do we have thorough fellowship? Is there mutual intercession? Consider our groups. 
Are we more built up this year than we were a year ago? Or is the condition of our groups a little lower than they were a year ago? Consider the church preaching the gospel, the advance of the gospel, the salvation of the lost in our community. Consider this past year, not just our personal situation. Outwardly, you know, outwardly we have our marriage, our, our kids, our finances, our health. This is the shell. But in the shell, <clears throat> there's a life there. There is a kind of inner being. Same with the church. You have the church. You have the, the shell. You have the meetings. You have the groups. You have this. But the intrinsic condition. It might be that after we look back briefly in sobriety, in a sober kind of way, we would have to repent and confess to the Lord. And we would have to give the Lord a fresh and new consecration for a new year, a new beginning, a new start. How's our morning times with the Lord? Our daily life, living of Christ. It might be that once we got into Zoom, we kind of set those things aside because we thought, oh, this will be over soon. And once this is over, I can get back into my normal routine. The full-timers can have coordination at the hall. We can go to work. I can read my Bible on the bus or the train. I can have these times with the Lord. And then it didn't happen. It didn't change. Our home life became chaotic. Our children were at home. We had to do school. We had to do work. We had to, and then we began to lose things. Well, saints, as we consider this at the end of this year, and, you know, I'm not speaking to you as someone that's any different from you. I'm traveling back and forth. I think, oh, when I get to Germany, I'll get everything straightened out. I'll get right with God. I'll I'll overcome, I'll become useful again. And then I come back here and it seems that habits take over. Habits take over. But saints, we're, we're at the end of the year. But not only are we at the end of the year, we're at the end of this age. But we thank the Lord that he's giving us a new beginning. He's giving us a new year. Within a week, within a few days, five days, we're going to be starting a new year. Outwardly, the worldly people, they're shouting and screaming and drinking and becoming drunk and partying and setting off fireworks. Brothers and sisters, I feel we as the church, maybe we should be on our knees, repenting, praying, opening, asking the Lord for a new beginning asking the Lord for a new start, a new, a new year, a year of, of glory. As it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we go from glory to glory. May next year be higher. May next year be better. May next year be another year of bride preparation. 
our age. But this past year, in the outward realm, in the physical realm, there's been a lot of division. Not only is there a global pandemic, a global stop to our church life, but there's a lot of division everywhere you look, everywhere you look, there is division. There's division about politics. Uh, the right wing, the left wing, the conservatives, the liberals, not only in America, in Germany too, actually everywhere. Have you seen videos from Hong Kong this past year? Have you seen what's going on in Armenia and Azerbaijan? Have you noticed that there's protests here, protests there. This Israel is now again in a situation where they have to have their fourth general election in two years because the government cannot stay together. In America, the political situation is in utter chaos. Brothers and sisters, we have to realize <clears throat> that the world is in a state of division like never before. Racial division, cultural division, division among political parties, even, even concerning the pandemic, wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, getting a vaccination, not getting a vaccination. Saints, earlier this year, Joyce and I, we drove to Berlin while we were in Berlin, there was a 20,000 person marching protest against the government regulations and closures and restrictions about wearing masks, about getting vaccinated. There were Nazis, there were all kinds of people. They were not protesting like they did in America where they were burning cities down, but they were marching, they were protesting. You see, brothers and sisters, <clears throat> And I've sadly, sadly, I've seen this in the church. I've seen this among the saints in the Lord's recovery. Some are promoting one thing. Some are saying another thing. Right before I came back <clears throat> from America, on December, December 2nd, I flew out of Houston, Texas, back to Frankfurt. And before I went to the airport, I went and I got a COVID test because I thought it would help me to escape a 14-day quarantine. So I got the COVID test. It was administered by a nurse. And I made a comment. I said, maybe within a month, you know, I'm older. My wife is on cancer treatment. We're high risk will probably be some of the first ones to get a vaccination. So I made a comment about vaccines. I said, you know, maybe in a month or two, we could all get vaccinated. She was a nurse. She, she's also on the top of the list to get vaccinated. And she said, I'll never get vaccinated of that. And I thought, uh oh, I just, I just stepped on somebody. I just crossed the line. Brothers and sisters, this is what's going on today in the world, no matter what topic you're on, whether it's diet, 
oh, there's such strong opinions about diet, about eating meat or vegetables, about oh, everything. There's a fight over everything. And you might find allies. Oh, these are for, for Trump or these are for Biden. And so you find some camaraderie on that level. But these ones for Trump don't want to wear a mask. And I want to wear a mask. And so I can't be one with them. I, I'm one with them on this, but I, I'm divided with them on that. Do you, see, do you see what's going on? The enemy is sowing division and he wants to penetrate our church life. He wants us to fight over everything about physical meetings. Should we meet physically? I got a call. I had a meeting. Oh, nearly for an hour talking about what we were doing. You know, we're not, we're not in a political realm. I have to assure you, brothers and sisters, and I sure hope I, I don't offend anyone. I don't, it's not in my heart. We pray, we seek the Lord. We, we follow the government regulations the very best way we can. We call every week to find out if there's changes because we are concerned for the saints above all things. We don't wanna risk anything, but we also want to take the church on. And so we're doing our very best and we're living in the light of the Lord. We're living before the Lord and we just pray. Brothers and sisters, don't get into this realm. This is the realm of culture, the realm of opinion, the realm of division. And save yourselves. Save yourselves. Don't bring this into your group meetings. Don't bring this into your church life. If the government says, don't meet, don't meet. If the government says, wear a mask, wear a mask. Just be simple. Just be simple. But don't bring opinions, fighting, division into the church. The new man is far above all of this. The new man is on another level, a completely different level. So brothers and sisters, we have to recognize the enemy's attack globally to stop our church life, intrinsically to divide us, divide the saints. We have to go through the cross. We have to check our opinions at the door like customs. We don't bring them in. Okay, now, uh, coming back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I would like to read it some more verses. Um, in verse 7, well, in verse 1, Paul said, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Why did Paul say we do not lose heart? And it's for the very reason, because while you're in the process of becoming the bride of Christ, a lot of things are happening to you environmentally, psychologically, in your personal universe, things happen, things are going on. And the Lord is perfecting us. He's renewing us. He's transforming us. 
the verse right before 4.1 is 3.18, where we're being transformed from glory to glory, even as from the Lord's spirit. So you think, what does that feel like? Well, it feels like, maybe it feels like suffering. And because of that, while you're in that process, we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Take care of your heart before God. And then verse 7, he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not out of us. Okay, now the contrast, this, uh, oh, this kind of duplicity of experience begins. Outwardly, an earthen vessel, fragile and worthless. Inwardly, a treasure. Okay, and then it goes on. So you have this, this uh, paradox. Outwardly, fragile. Outwardly, worthless. Inwardly, precious. And then he said, we're pressed on every side, but not constricted. That's pressed on every side is outward, inward, not constricted, not limited. Unable to find a way out, but not utterly without a way out. Outwardly, we can't find a way out of this, but inwardly, we're not utterly without a way out. <laughs> uh, this is so precious. This is just so precious. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Outwardly, brothers and sisters, I've never been in a situation where these verses have become so, so real. Persecuted outwardly. Inwardly, not abandoned. We have the Lord. We have our spirit. Cast down, but not destroyed. Are you discouraged? That's to be cast down. Disappointed, maybe a little depressed, but not destroyed. You see, one is the outer man. The other is the inner man. One is the soul life, the old man. The other is our inner man, the new man in Christ. Do you realize, don't you realize that for the Lord to bring us out of the old creation into the new creation in Christ, we have to go through this. We have to pass through this, this tunnel. This, we need this kind of governing vision. And then Paul says in verse 10, always bearing about in the body, the putting to death of Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. So <clears throat> always bearing about in the earthen vessel, the putting to death of Jesus through the environmental pressures, the circumstantial things, even our personal failures, brothers and sisters, the Lord allows even some things to remain as personal weakness and failures to attack us outwardly so that we can be perfected, beautified inwardly, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Okay, 
Verse 12, so then death operates in us, but life in you. This is 2020. Let me tell you, this is 20, the year 2020. <clears throat> then in verse 16, Paul says this, therefore, we do not lose heart. Wow. Though, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Brothers and sisters, we do not lose heart. Don't give up the church life. Don't give up your groups. Use it. Don't give up Zoom. Use it rather. Take advantage of it. Jump over the wall. Like Joseph, you know, the prophecy concerning Joseph in Genesis, Jacob blessing his son Joseph. He said, Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring, a branch, a big branch, whose branches go over the wall. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, we are going over the wall. This wall will not stop us. Our roots are going down and our branches are going over. We do not lose heart. <clears throat> but though our outer man is, be, is decaying, this word decaying means being consumed, being wasted away, being worn out. Yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Can you see these two things happening at the same time? Outwardly being wasted away, inwardly being renewed. He said, behold, when the new Jerusalem comes, he says, behold, I make all things new. While the old man is decaying, being wasted away and being worn out, the new man is coming up, is coming up. So <clears throat> you ask Paul, the apostle Paul, Paul, what does it feel like to be renewed day by day? He would say, I don't know. I only know what it feels like to be wasted away, to be worn out. You see, there's no sensation attached. There's no measurement attached. There's no physical sense whereby we can measure how much we've been renewed. But we do know the decaying, wasting away, the consuming, and being worn out of the old creation. Then it goes on, verse 17. For our momentary lightness of affliction works out for us more and more surpassingly an eternal weight of glory momentary lightness of affliction. Brothers and sisters, what we are passing through is momentary. It's like that. It's a flash. In the scheme of, in the grand scheme of things, in the history of the universe, this is super momentary. It's just a flash. And this is momentary, Paul says, lightness. It's not that heavy. It's not that bad. It's light. This lightness 
Yes, we'll call it affliction, but it's passing and it's light, but it's working. It's working. It says, works out for us. That verse matches Romans 8.28, where it says, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This verse says that these momentary light afflictions work out for us more and more surpassingly something eternal. Momentary works something eternal. Can you imagine that? Something so light can work an eternal weight of glory. Saints, while we are passing through these kind of things, we are gaining weight. We are getting heavy. We are getting constituted with gold, with silver, and with precious stones. We're becoming God in life, in nature, in function and expression, but not in the Godhead. And finally, this portion ends. Why do we not lose heart? Because we do not regard the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen. <clears throat> we don't regard politics. We don't regard COVID. We don't regard it. It's nothing to us. It means nothing to us. We live here. We live under its restriction. We're bound by it. We're limited by it. We're maybe frustrated by it. We're affected by it, but we do not regard it. We give it no, no credence, no value. We do not regard the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. Saints, what is not seen? The body, the bride, the new man, the warrior. You can't see it, but it's happening. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are, are not seen are eternal. Brothers and sisters, I just urge us as we go into a new year, let's, let's get transported into another realm, realizing that Satan is fighting with all his might. He's frustrating. He's attacking. But we're going over the wall. Let's consecrate 2021 to be a real year of Jubilee. Maybe in 2021, our dear bridegroom will return. Maybe, maybe the Lord, by the end of this next year, will have the bride that he longs for and desires. Dear saints, we have to be those who live in the light of the Lord's coming, his soon coming. We have to be those that live in the light of his judgment seat. You know, after someone dies, in this last, last week and a half, two of the senior coworkers in the Lord's recovery finished their course, died victoriously, entered into paradise and are now waiting, waiting for us. 
and run the race. They're now among the cloud of witnesses. They're in the stands of the great universal Colosseum, so to speak, and they're cheering us on. They're yelling, they're screaming, go, go, run with endurance to race set before you, looking away unto Jesus, forgetting the things which are behind, stretching forward to the things which are before, to pursue toward the goal for the prize to which God in Christ has called me upward. And how Paul said, if by any means I may attain to the out-resurrection from the dead. You know, I want to close this morning by reading a little portion from a, a particular message that has spoken to me over and over and over again for the last 20 years. When I first heard of it, first read it, it's from the book, The Glorious Church. It's from the appendix. It's Brother Nee's word. This is in Farsi, I believe. Um, you probably don't, translators, I'm sorry, I didn't give you warning. I'll read slow, but I'll read a little portion, okay? The last few paragraphs of this appendix, which is not very long, it says this. Are we at the end of the age? If we are, the kingdom will soon begin. If a dispensational move is near, then God needs an instrument. Lord, may we be that instrument. General work is no longer adequate. The children of God lack a vision. Purpose of this fellowship this morning, brothers and sisters, is to give us a vision, a controlling vision. The children of God do not see the seriousness and the intensity of the situation. Now is a, is, is a matter of dispensation. Just being a good servant of the Lord is no longer good enough. This is not of great use to God. Please note that we're not saying that it's of no use. What are we doing to close this dispensation? What are we doing to bring in the next age? This is a special time. So there is the need of special Christians to do a special work. Today, God is waiting for the man-child. And included in the man-child, you could say, the first fruits, the overcomers. This is what he's waiting for. Brothers and sisters, do you realize that on the earth today, there are not enough overcomers? I'll continue. Only the, the, the rapture of the man-child can bring in the events in Revelation chapter 12. God has an order. He works according to that order. His eyes have left the church. They are now on the kingdom. An overcomer works according to the principle of the body. The principle of the body annuls sectarianism and individualism. What this means is the overcomers are going to be in groups. 
Don't misunderstand me. The overcomers are not overcomers by themselves. Overcomers are clumps. They're companions. They are clustered together. This is urgent. This is, this has dispensational value. Being an overcomer is not primarily for escaping the tribulation. We need to see of what value the rapture of the man-child is to the Lord, not to ourselves. Of all the dispensational moves, the man-child is the greatest because it removes human government, man's power, and Satan's authority, and it installs the kingdom of God. He concludes like this, we live at the most privileged time. Do you realize this, brothers and sisters? We, of all the history of the church, we live at the most privileged time, and we can do the most for God. Light will show us the way. But Christ, as the life-giving, indwelling, and sevenfold intensified spirit will enable us to walk this way. May we not look to ourselves, but look to him. May we come out of the wilderness leaning on our beloved, not because we're strong, but because we're the weakest ones in the church. We need him. We depend on him. A great price must be paid in order to be used now. Dear Saints, I'll conclude this fellowship. You might consider this an end of the year kind of talk. Uh, you're all in my heart. And I uh, look forward to being back together with you again in 2021. May the Lord be with us. May the Lord have his move among us. And may next year bring us that much closer to the Lord's coming back. Amen. Okay.